Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey everyone, you reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Matt. And Liz. On today's show, we're talking... The Rams YOLO moves. Saquon Barkley is back. The tight end landscape is a wasteland, but we got some apples for picking. And whatever that means, we've got a lot of bad team matchups to talk about. Chargers, Titans, get excited! Plus DFS bargains and fades. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza here with Matt Harmon and producer Brett and Matt. It's been a big week. It has been a big week. Uh, I don't know what day it is, but it's been a big week. <laughs> well, that's pretty uh, contingent with just the season, you know, like, uh, I don't know what day a week it is. I just know this is podcast day. It is podcast day. It's that's podcast right. day. <laughs> Yesterday was unboxing video day. You know, it's like, what? what yeah. is the content of the day? That is the day. The actual day doesn't matter. Brett is already giving me the goddamn move along finger. Yep. So the uh, <laughs> the Rams made some big moves. The Rams are a newsy team this week. I would like to call these YOLO moves. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I branded them. Our own Yahoo Sports own Kimberly Martin interviewed um, Rams GM Les Snead last week, just four days ahead of this trade in which the Rams sent Marcus Peters to the Baltimore Ravens, acquired a center from Cleveland. Man, who cares? And then <laughs> also, uh, which the, the Marcus Peters trade at the time was a little bit head scratching because Akib Talib was being placed on IR at the same time. So you're like, oh, cool. We're just like not going to have any DBs okay. on any the team. That's cool. Um, no problem. Um, but then later in the day, it was a announced that Jalen Ramsey was acquired by the Rams from the Jacksonville Jaguars in exchange for three picks. So I think my take on this was it was a complete stop the bleeding sort of trade. And that does align with what Les Snead told Kimberly just four days ahead of the trade, which was, quote, we're not going to be scared, but we're not going to be reckless when reflecting on at the time the two losses, not the three yet, that the team had suffered. And he also said when Kimberly asked him, is it a failure if you don't go to the Super Bowl this year? He said, we only live once, so don't live your life scared. Hmm. And I thought, okay, well, he is putting his money quite literally where the, uh, where his mouth is and being aggressive. And I don't think this makes a giant change. I do think if Aqib Tlaib were healthy, then the secondary would be more shored up because as we all know, I mean, I went to plenty of Rams games and saw Marcus Peters, who is electric, but he gambles a lot, right? He's gambles a freelancer. A yep. And so he moves to Baltimore and you get Jalen Ramsey, who's a shutdown corner, which is more in a line with Wade Phillips' scheme. So maybe the back half of the defense is more secure, but again, without Tlaib on the field, and this defense is a different team without him, I'm not quite sure it's enough. Yeah, Tlaib wasn't playing great this year, and obviously, you know, like, Peters is who he is. He will give up. He will he'll make plays, but he will also give up plays. That that was perfectly like encapsulated in that Bucks game right. where the passing game went wild, but he also returned to pick six uh for a touchdown, obviously. So I think when you look at this trade, it's definitely, you know, a Super Bowl window type of move. But Ramsey also is someone that they would probably imagine to be in their long-term plans too. Oh, he fits the culture of the team and the whole Hollywood vibe. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, they definitely I think they must believe that like brand I, I have to think that the idea of like having brand names is important to them and like when you're a, trying to sell psls at 75 grand a piece it sure as hell should be and they what, don't stop emailing me they just don't <laughs> stop and and the super bowl like window is obviously part of it too but you mentioned too like there's superstars on this team like theoretically would be 
Todd Gurley and Jared Goff. Huge questions around both players right now. So I think bringing in another face of the team matters too. Defensively, the Rams defense was playing better than I think they were on balance in 2018. So obviously adding him to a group that has Aaron Donald and one of the best defensive minds is huge. I don't know that it answers like some of their top three questions this year, which is basically all has to do with the offense, right? Well, I mean, their their run defense hasn't been as good this year without Sue, though Sue didn't do much splash-wise at the front of the season last year. He showed up in the postseason and towards the end of the regular season. But I I said this on a a video on my own Instagram, and that's that to me, I just look at the quarterback. And someone said, like, well, no, it's the run. The the problem is that, like, the backfield isn't settled. And I was like, but that's because Jared Goff doesn't have an elite running back to lean on. At the end of the day, this is all centered around a quarterback who— can't feel pressure who defenses have figured out and if you don't have a running back that is a difference maker and you have Malcolm Brown out there and defenses feel like they can beat him then he's Jared Goff is going to have to throw the ball and he's going to have to connect and not his touchdown to interception ratio is seven to seven yeah I mean get ready for a name drop I talked to Todd Gurley on Tuesday and one of the things that he brought up when I asked about what make what made this offense so good in 2017 and 2018 as opposed to what's going on this year and you know is a tough spot because, like, obviously he's one of the question marks, but he just basically said, like, it's the balance, the balance to be able to do all different things, not just run to pass balance, but be able to run inside, outside zone, be able to push that. Ex- but that's not a numbers. I mean, like, that's great in theory, but you can't before a game say we're going to spend this percentage of our offense running and this percentage of our offense passing because it's so it's such an ecosystem oh no that's I think that's the that's the point of the balance right to his uh, his credit like he's like if we went in in those years if we went into a game we could sit there and in the middle of the game decide like what to be because we were able to be a running team we were able to work off play action or we were able to attack like vertical intermediate to short because of all those different receivers that they have and this year I think obviously the biggest problem is up front and they just lost another starter for the season. Nope. Whitworth is obviously a year older. So that's the biggest problem for the Rams is that I think they make this gigantic trade, which I think it's less than 15 players in the history of the NFL have been traded for two first round picks. And I'm not sure that they really address what are their biggest concerns right now, which is why I almost think like, yeah, this is obviously another all in move. They're so they're running so counter to conventional wisdom and like conventional norms of team building. They won't pick in the first round for five straight years. That's why I think this is more just, this is how they're going to build their team. It's not even just so much a win now move. It's it's, this is this is a player they want a for long term. It's a philosophy, a philosophy. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the Jaguar side of it too? Yeah, we can talk about the Jaguars. I just want to finish sure. one last point on Jared Goff, and that is, I it's Jared Goff, and it's Dak Prescott in in recent weeks, and this excuse building of well, these O linemen are out, and there's a you know a scarcity of talent at the position within drafts. But I look at Matt Ryan, right, and yeah. and it doesn't affect him. I'm not saying that's a winning formula because obviously they're the, not the winning. Losing <laughs> game. But also, if you're going to like Kimberly Martin, who I referenced earlier, is my co-host on Cover Three, and she seemed miffed that Matt Ryan would get big money. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a quarterback who doesn't need a like who can feel pressure and still perform. Jared Goff, if you want this forty million dollars, then you have to perform under pressure. Like no one at their nobody at their job just gets you know, promoted when things are fine. It's those moments that you're able to rise, to above. rise above adversity. And I just don't see Goff doing that. And I don't see Dak Prescott doing it. And maybe now Dallas doesn't have to pay Dak Prescott. And that's a, like, we're going to talk about the game against Philadelphia a little bit later. But that was my only point is that it is wildly frustrating to me that these quarterbacks are just being thrown money. And then the minute that a hiccup arises, they're like, well, I mean, you didn't give me like, you know, enough in the trenches yeah it's I think I think we had this conversation a lot in the offseason Liz which is just like there are certain quarterbacks that are you know transformative figures that rise raise all boats with their tide Goff we had a question when we did the live stream placing the faces whether they were worth it or not we had a major question as to whether Goff was that player right now it looks like we're getting an answer but the problem becomes like I even a, a team that is as all in as you don't I don't live scared less need. Well, you weren't brave enough to walk into quarterback wilderness. Right. Right. You you will and no I still believe that no team 
especially a team that because could you imagine like a team that's concerned with star power? They let their ultra productive quarterback go. We obviously have questions about him, but their ultra productive quarterback go, and then then what? Then they rock with like Fitzpatrick and some goofball rookie or whatever, you know? Like, oh, I just realized that Blake Bortles and Jalen Ramsey are going to be in the same locker room again. Blake Bortles, Jalen Ramsey, and Dante Fowler. They're stacking up old oh. Jags first-round picks. Leonard Fournette will be the Rams' new running back this time next year. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so what what did you want to talk about the Jacksonville Jags side of things? So I'm thinking about this because I'm, I'm writing about this for my preview piece this week. Um, little sort of fantasy football, fantasy NFL hybrid sort of situation. Like the Jaguars' offense is going into a really great spot this weekend against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are missing or already suck on defense and are missing a ton of their like cornerbacks. And I look at this on the Jaguars' side too. They're now like obviously the price is they lose one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL. They are reloaded with two first-round picks, and it makes me think too. Like, damn, you know that's that's a pretty good setup for a team that's. You know, I don't know if they were ever rebuilding, but they're certainly a very teetering in that space. They're re, we'll say retooling or rebooting to be nice, and they're coming. They're coming off of a you know a playoff run a couple of years ago, but the team looks wildly different, and it just makes me think as we're seeing teams like uh, the Dolphins and Washington just completely bottom out. Like it makes me look at the whole tanking thing and being like, do you really have to do this? Because like Jacksonville has now set itself up. Very well for the future, especially if Gardner Minshew, and that's kind of the caveat, well, right? That's most like people, the lucky shot. yeah, most people don't hit on that, but it just makes me think, like, yeah, they've got a pretty nice young core on offense to work with. You know, Fournette is having a really good year. Chark is playing really well. Chris Conley, Dee Westbrook are filling in nice works or nice roles beyond him. They still have, like, let me be clear, they're not solved. They have a lot of issues. They're two and four right now, and they have roster holes, but. They didn't need to they looked like they were staring the seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, Dolphins type of runs square in the face because they had a defense and nothing on offense with a few good picks on offense. And like now they're loaded with capital going forward. They look like they're not in such a bad way and they didn't have to go through. They didn't have to put their fans through something like the damn Dolphins are going through right now. No, it just happened organically all of the years that they refused to move on from Blake Bortles. Yeah, I mean, look, the, they paid for it, right? But they didn't pay for it with, com- like, I think what... It looked like a failure versus an intentional tank job. Yes. I mean, it was it was a failure. Like, every everything that they do now comes back to the fact that they made a horrible error to double down on the Blake Bortles, Dave Caldwell sort of era. Mm-hmm. But now it looks like they've gotten out of that. And it could all just be straight up luck because they if Gardner Minshew, like, hits as a six-round pick, that's... That's straight up luck. You know, they don't get like a pat on the back for that necessarily. I don't know. It's just something I'm kicking around in my head. You know, as, as we're seeing, I just think the tanking thing's starting to feel so gross to me. And so, like, it, look at the hit rate of like top five pick quarterbacks. Like, people love these guys. And then they come in, like, I mean, everyone loved Josh Rosen. He just got benched again. Well, and Dwayne Haskins isn't ready. Dwayne Although, Haskins can't even play. Now, but yeah. Daniel Jones was a laughing stock and he's he not looks the all right. And Sam Darnold, like, he shows you the va- and then this is the other side of the coin, right? Where like Sam Darnold shows you the true value of a franchise quarterback. Like I'm still like basking in what an impressive showing that was. Like he took a literal lifeless team and the moment he's injected, mm-hmm. they become an actual not just a, a functional operation, but they take down uh, an NFC contender. Jobs. Yeah, right. Saves like that's, jobs. I think that's unfortunately the piece of it. might save Adam Gase's job, which is too bad. <laughs> you well, we talked about Daniel Jones just briefly. I mentioned him, right? So let's talk about the Giants because Saquon might save a couple of jobs. He's trending towards playing on Sunday versus Arizona. So this is a player that obviously you like to use the phrase "whose tide lifts all boats," and I think. I guess that could be said of Barkley, although it feels like for so much of his career with the Giants, we've watched him just try to drag an offense along. But now that there's a change in quarterback and Golden Tate is in the mix, um, maybe that's changing. I mean, it's a player with a 74% snap share, 79% opportunity share. He's getting like 18 touches per game, and that's not including week three when he didn't finish the outing. So I guess the question is, like, if Gallman, from a fantasy perspective, because now I think we're, we're having to, like, switch gears a little bit. Um, so if Gallman clears the concussion protocol and he's practicing in full, so we're assuming that's going to he's going to be on track to play, how much does he play in Saquon's return from the high ankle sprain? 
Evan Ingram is practicing in full. Sterling Shepard's probably going to miss this one. I don't think he's going to be cleared for the concussion. So that still allows Barkley a very nice floor from a receiving perspective as well. I mean, he's a top three running back. I don't think anyone's doubting that, right? Yep. I mean, he's it's fire the cannons, right? Because, like, the encouraging thing to me is that he tried to push to come back early from this injury, and maybe this is still technically considered early. But I found it encouraging that he was practicing, like, at the beginning of the week. You know, we're not sitting here saying, like, both him and Evan Ingram, too. Like, Ingram's out, you know. Does that concern you, though, because the timetable was four to six? And we talked about how some people said six was more likely, other people said four. And then Saquon himself was tweeting that he was going to crush it, and he did. He came back after three weeks. Is that a little bit? I was hopping around on his damn uh, one good foot (laughs) after that Bucks win. Uh, I mean, it's a little worrisome, but not enough to, like, make me think that he's not going to be, like, a full go because – yeah, I mean, this is this is the guy, right? This is the theoretical centerpiece of their offense, and and it's ex- have they learned a lesson to be careful with him? I mean, you're facing Arizona; they've allowed the seventh most rushing yards per game, nearly an average of one thirty three, I think, um, a YPC of four point seven to opposing rushers. So, I I hundred percent agree that you have to start him. But is there? I'm just curious to think organizationally, looking forward, how wise is it? To just let him run free when you know Gallman is there and capable and maybe ease the guy in who was coming off of an injury ahead of the time he was supposed to in a pretty soft matchup. Yeah, maybe that's like, yeah, for the there's no like tricky fantasy puzzle here. Like you play him and you take what you get. Right. But like to your point, I think what you can look at is coming into the year. The Giants had about a thousand questions on their roster. Right. Like a lot, a lot of holes, a lot of problems. And most of those have come true or come to fruition so far this year, other than the offensive line is playing a lot better than I think people mm-hmm. thought. But the one thing that you could look at on their roster, you know, in like beginning of August or end of July was like, oh, the pass catching group here, pretty good. Like Sterling Shepard, good. Pl- I mean, he's going to miss this game, like you said, probably. But Sterling Shepard, good player. Golden Tate, proven veteran. Evan Ingram is breaking the hell out this can't year. Can't block, but it don't matter. Yeah, right. And like <laughs> Saquon Barkley, great as a receiver. So I think the fact that you're going to see this offense almost all Close the way to, to full form, Shepard not being there sucks. But like, I think that part could be good for in terms of easing him in is like, hey, if you and also, you know, Daniel Jones can run too. So I think they open up some holes. I hear that's a trope. That's a thing. That's a narrative. Uh, I think you could see that be a situation where it's like, all right, the offense is rolling enough to the point that we don't need to like throw 25 touches on Saquon Barkley in his first game back. We do. Sh- we should mention, for what it's worth, that Patrick Peterson returns to the Cardinals secondary this week. I think if anyone since Sterling Shepard, just just hold on, since Sterling Shepard isn't going to play, and I've seen people ask about Darius Slayton as a potential streamer, right? Like last week it didn't happen, but two weeks ago he found the end zone. I'm not messing with that, like, at all. And he will probably draw Patrick Peterson. And by the way, what a great opportunity for Patrick Peterson to shake off some rust. If any of these receivers are outside of Evan Ingram, who, you know, is a top, an absolute drought at the position. And we'll get to that in a second. Golden Tate sets up with a pretty good matchup against Tremaine Brock, who's, I think, allowed like 72% of his targets to convert. Yeah. And is allowing a passer rating of 120 when targeted. They've been getting crushed in the middle of the field, slot receivers, tight ends, whatever you want. All right. So let's talk tight ends. Ugh. (laughs) Gross. You know, it's no longer springtime, so peach picking season is over. But it's time to get ourselves some juicy apples because so many of them have done dried up. Nailed it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Uh, Let's start with Jason Witten. Because he's the most owned, sixty four percent. And guys, we're like, this is a this is a segment that we added to the show because I don't know about Matt, but I'm getting a thousand questions about tight ends. Yeah, should I start this guy? Should I start this guy? So I thought, let's just. In fact, our Yahoo Fantasy Sports handle tweeted out like I got an alert on my phone saying like tight ends pretty tricky. Check these updated ranks. So clearly, y'all are asking for it. If you don't. You know, if, if if you're set, if you have George Kittle, congratulations. But for everyone else out there. I mean, it's pretty much Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Evan Ingram. Not even Travis Kelsey. He's on the end zone in a couple weeks. At least he's and he's like tight end three. Yeah. And woof. Uh, Darren Waller. He was signed to an extension, by the way. That to me says 
Also, Tyrell Williams hurt, too. That could be more plantar fasciitis volume Not gonna pushed happen. his way. So you got those five guys. Outside of those five guys, Will Disley's injury, obviously a huge blow to someone you probably picked off the waiver wire. He's tied in five right now, by the way. Jason Witten, 64% owned. Our own Brad Evans wrote about him in our midweek bold predictions piece. He highlighted the fact that Philadelphia is giving up 7.8 pass attempts, passing yards per attempt. Amari uh, Cooper probably isn't going to play in this one, so that'll funnel more looks to Jason Witten. What do you think? Yeah. 50 yards, four catches, 53 yards, Finger, maybe a touchdown. Fingers crossed for that touchdown, that tip tiptoe touchdown that he has. You know, back of the end zone, he tippy toes in there. There you go. <laughs> That's what you're hoping for, right? right. I, I, but for... For a tight end to clear 50 yards right now, that's solid. You'll take it. God, this position's just the worst. Um, that's why we're talking yeah, about it, bro. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Dawson Knox, one of your guys. My he guy, Dawson Knox. He is 19% owned. <laughs> he had some promising performances. What was that? Week four against Cincinnati? Yeah. Right? No, week three. Week three and versus Cincinnati. And then week Cincinnati. four, he had a couple nice catches against the Patriots. He converted all three he of He cleared books. 50 yards. 58, in fact. Three for 58 in that one. We're so cooking. things were promising, but then he tanked in week five at Tennessee, which was an exploitable matchup. Um, yeah. The positive is that his snap share has gone up each week. His target share um, went up to five in week five. Um, Tyler Croft probably, this is the like caveat, probably going to be back from ankle injury. But I'm not worried about a Tyler Croft. Like, But you know people are going to ask it. So we have to say, like, I don't want to get the like, well, you know, Tyler Croft's going to be back. Hashtag Bill's Mafia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Dawson Knox is better than Tyler Croft. (laughs) Jump into your tables with those Tyler Croft tweets in my mentions. Also, the matchup, I think, is is better than the numbers a lie here. You're facing Miami. Right. But if you look, I mean, like Miami's only given up like the 15th or some, the 13th most fantasy points to opposing ends. But you have to dig a little bit deeper because Miami has not really faced a team that uses their tight end. But they did let Mark Andrews absolutely ball out in week one and set a tone. And Jason Witten, our own Jason Witten that we're discussing, caught, wait for it, three for 54 back in week three. And those are the only two mentionable tight ends that Miami has faced. I mean, like we're not talking about Washington's tight ends. Like Vernon Davis isn't that like we're not doing Matt Lacoste on New England. Not, not, not a thing. A thing. Uh, yeah, no, I think those are those are good suggestions. Um, I have one to, to mention. I got a couple more. Go We're for gonna it. Get real gross. No, go for it. Okay, uh, Dallas Goddard from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he's starting to get healthier. The last his snap counts the last three weeks: sixty nine percent, seventy four percent, seventy one percent last week in Minnesota. Um, obviously, he has one touchdown through that span, and then last week he didn't clear fifty yards, but he did get eight targets and catch five balls. Obviously, the Eagles' wide receiver core beyond Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson's been hurt. These guys are turning up total dead. You know, like. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is is getting the treatment where, like, Doug Peterson said, I really don't see this guy making an impact unless Alshon Jeffrey gets hurt. Also, they're, like, testing him at a bunch of different spots. Mac Holland sucks. Nelson Aguilar, you know, we, we know the Nelson Aguilar story. <laughs> um, so, like, that's why they're playing more tight ends, obviously, because of the Jackson injury. But also, like, I don't expect that to, to change when he gets back because the rest of these guys are just total bums. And then um, you look at... Also, like, so he has some usability in what should be an improving offense. And if something ever happens to Zach Ertz, like, he has an enormous upside, yeah. right? So, like, I think if you're going to bet on a streamer, maybe take your take your lumps with and hope for, like, these five-catch games from Goddard while also recognizing that the ceiling is quite present. He's also only owned in 10%. Oh, yeah, he's going to be out His next few games coming up are pretty rough, I've got to admit, but... That's the same for Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz, the the cool thing, I guess, is that Zach Ertz is still seeing the volume because of the issues within the receiving core that Matt just highlighted, even with Dallas Goddard back from injury. And Goddard was like a highly touted uh, prospect coming out of college that could be a tight end one on any other team if he were not buried behind Zach Ertz. So I like that. Um, Let's talk about Houston's tight ends. Uh, Sure. Well, we've talked about him on Sunday off air because – (laughs) <laughs> Darren Fells is tight end 12. He's a tight end one, Liz. <laughs> but what I So I did the numbers on these because you look at the matchup at Indianapolis, Malik Hooker, he's out. So like 
that's nice. Uh, well, he returned to practice, but I doubt he's going to play on Sunday. And if he does, he's going to be less than 100%. So I think the matchup here is you're really just, I mean, in streaming, you're trying to like take advantage of matchups. And when I look at these injuries, I'm like, all right, well, I think this one is one we could service. Um, when you're streaming, you're just trying to do anything except like avoid starting Jimmy Graham. Like that's the, Ooh. how how can I, how can I do anything except start Jimmy Graham? So the problem with Darren Fowles and Jordan Akins is that they're being used identically and there's no rhyme or reason if you look at Fels's so I should say Fels is 25% own he was more involved over the past two weeks especially week six at Kansas City so he has the higher ownership numbers because we always react on the thing we most recently remember yep Jordan Aikens is only 8% owned I think I might prefer Aikens here we go Darren Fels 69% snaps Jordan Aikens 61% of the snaps route participation for Darren Fels 47.5. That's the tight end 25. Route route participation. Precipitation, I almost said. Raining routes over here. (laughs) Not at all. 54.5%. That's the tight end 20 for Jordan Aikens. Targets. They both got 21. Completions. They both got 15. Red zone targets. They both got five. So the question is, do you lean towards Fells because he's on the field more, even though he is more traditionally thought of as a blocker, and that's why he's on the field? And you think about Titus Howard and the injury there and the O-line in Houston. Or do you lean towards Jordan Aikens, who isn't on the field as more, but is running more routes? I'm going to lean towards Aikens. Yeah, always lean towards the guy that's running more routes, for sure, I think. And he is the lesser-owned option. Plus, this is just like you want pieces. Like, when you're, like, we're talking about clearing 50 yards, like, good for you. (laughs) Really, when you're streaming tight ends, all you're really kind of doing is trying to chase a touchdown and, like, the good thing that we're doing that you the good thing that you're doing here by recommending these players is like, OK, they're attached to Deshaun Watson, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Touchdown opportunities a little more frequent. Also, if Will Fuller keeps dropping balls. And let's, well, he'll catch team. three, drop three. This week, he's catch, catching three TDs again. On again, off again. Um, lastly, Will Disley. Luke Wilson, 8% owned. Oh. I, I'm Brad, uh, Brad, Matt. We, <laughs> how, da- how dare you? <laughs> Sorry. We have, to, we have to do it. The people. You like to talk about the people. The people. Uh, versus Baltimore. The Ravens have lots of safety trouble, right? Tony Jefferson's on IR. Deshaun Elliott's on IR. Will Disley for the Seahawks on IR. Luke Wilson was on the field for 67% of the snaps, but he has only run a total throughout the damn season, a total of 25 routes. Well, he was just signed like midway through the year. So. All year, but still. Like, but he had still. four routes in like week two and like five routes. Like, this is not a route runner. Um, I would not mess with this. If you want to mess with this matchup against the Ravens, I would rather... Uh, DK Metcalf, because as we talked about, Marcus yeah. Peters is kind of a freelancer. So these are two high upside ceiling type players on offense and defense going head to head against each other. We talked about Jerron Brown on Sunday's podcast, uh, who's in the snap uh, in the slot for 36 percent of the snaps. He's facing Brandon Carr, who's 33 and allowing uh, 63 yards per game. So like again, Jerron Brown, I'm, I'm he's eleven dollars in DFS if you're real desperate. Maybe he's your flex or a really cheap DFS play, but I would not. The point is, I would play Jerron Brown in my lineup ahead of Luke Wilson. A couple of other names to mention. Obviously, disappointing player to start the year, but Jared Cook has scored it back-to-back weeks. I know he roasted me last week against Jacksonville. Roasted he is. He a touchdown. He's so touchdown dependent. Well, they all are, but fine. He's ninth in the NFL in routes run. And if Kamara doesn't play, then that's more chances for Jared Cook near the red red zone yeah and, and i don't th- think far is gonna play also like this is a part <clears throat> this is a sort of like take your lumps for the next week or two and then when breeze comes back you could have like a an act like an actual tight end one there you they know have so, chicago this week yeah assuming latavius murray is in for camara although the bears are without akeem hicks so that gives the run game in new orleans a little bit of an advantage but Sure. Yeah, there's that. Gerald Everett, too, is still worth mentioning. Uh, he's going to be tilting, but it is what it is. No love for Josh Oliver making his NFL debut at Cincinnati? No, no love there. He's um, 0% owned. I, I can guess there's a reason why. The Jags, like James O'Shaughnessy has an ACL he's done for the year. Jeff Swaim, he's in the concussion protocol. I looked at the <laughs> fact, the, the Jags tight ends have drawn a total of 39 targets. Throughout the season. Stunning. I guess that's a way to look at it. Cincinnati has allowed 23 of 32 to the tight end position. That's against 72%. I, 
I know this player plays tonight, so God forgive me, Brett, but it's also worth noting that Noah Fant runs a lot of routes, too. He's 12th in the NFL in routes run. He doesn't do with them, but (laughs) at some point, maybe that opportunity converts into, I mean, because that's great. Like, 12th in the NFL in routes run. You're looking at guys like, you know, you're up there with, like, Mark Andrews, Dustball, Jimmy Graham, uh, and those type of players. Yeah, the problem with Fant, I did a fearless forecast for him on Tuesday. It's that he's on a team that's putting up an average of 336 total offense, total offense per game. That's bottom seven production. So I just worry about the opportunities. I have him slated for four receptions and 52 yards. Yeah, I mean, you could have saved a lot of time there and just said the problem with fans is that he's on the Broncos. Thank you for your thank you for being so concise, Matthew. Yeah, no problem. You want to talk about quarterbacks? Yes. Maybe some players people will actually know. Josh Oliver. Whew, what a pull. Shout out to Paso Robles High School. Converted linebacker. Also played a little receiver in high school. That you really have been peach picking. Ooh. It's apples now, crunch. Chargers at Tennessee. Mariota gets the bench. Tannehill gets the start. God, do we care? Uh, probably not. I don't think this changes much about their offense at all. Mariota and Tannehill are pretty similar. Do you think? Nope. I'm, I'm being not. I'm being wild here. <laughs> do you think the Tennessee might lean on the run against the Chargers, who got lit up by who? Who do they get lit up by, Matt? Jimothy Connor. No, oh, no, the other one. Oh, uh, Ducky Hodges. No, the other one. Benny. No, no bro. <laughs> I mean, lit up is a relative term. I mean, the Chargers got leveled. Yeah, the Chargers are the worst. I mean, I don't know what to tell you about that. Are no. you upset because Benny Snell did so well? Don't be upset about it. No, him. I mean, this is your one time. You might as well enjoy. <laughs> My one time. <laughs> you might as well enjoy this moment that you, this is the one time we'll talk about Benny Snell. Until he, until like James Conner gets hurt again, and then in week Which fifteen, is an inevitability. right? And then in week you know fifteen, who the Steelers play when they get back from bye? The Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Monday. That's going to be a Snell Snow breakout game. game. Monday, game. Monday night football, baby. Uh, Snell. Just the, go, go to Yahoo Fantasy. Go, go to your lead. Just go to week eight and just set Snell to start. Hey, no one else <laughs> is talking about Snell heading into last week. I did not say play him. I said keep an eye because I think James Conner is not going to finish this game, and uh, Jalen Samuels is out. Running back is not as gross as tight end, but it's super disgusting. Super gross. Look, I mean, I'm super pumped for the Week 15 Benny Snell 20-touch 58-yard game. Are you touching Ryan Tannehill at all? And are you buying into the, like, you know, this could make Adam Humphreys an interesting no, play? No, right. no, I, I, Like, what is interesting? He's going to catch 11 passes for 69 yards. That's nice, nice but, nice. like, not interesting for your fantasy team. And what about Phillip Rivers? Who There's a lot going on in the Chargers side of thing, right? There's like, a lot going on. Yeah. What the hell? Like, now Travis Benjamin is on IR? When is Brett suiting up at wide receiver for them? Uh, I'm I'm dealing with some uh some ligament issues. Well, I know you can take the top off a of defense, my friend. Oh yeah, definitely, and a, um, and a cupcake as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was your best. Like you Thank should you. retire right now. Thank that you. All right, I'm submitting my resignation. The um the Chargers, I think, have had some trouble reassimilating Melvin Gordon into this offense. Oh uh, no! It, let's <laughs> let's try that again. Reassimilating Melvin Gordon into this offense has been a net negative for the team, <laughs> which is a bummer because it's like, man, it really would be nice to see this work out for Melvin Gordon. But like, God, what well, kind of is? I know, like in a uh, weird it? way. I mean, in a weird way, it's sort of like, hmm, like. I- I don't know, like, you still... I, I know it doesn't, like, work out nicely, no, but it, if I were Melvin Gordon, I'd sort of be, like, kind so, of happy that my ex is losing a little bit, even though they're not quite my ex. It's, like, the end of the relationship. It's, like, you're still living together, but you, you know, you, like, like toss, oh, did you toss, burn? Yeah. like, do you, like, accidentally knock their, not, I mean, knock their favorite mug off the kitchen table, like, oops. Or, like, oh, did you, did you burn your finger on the toaster? I'm so sorry. That's a funny perspective, but, yeah, I mean... The, no, it's not, it doesn't work out well for him in the long run. No, for Melvin Gordon. Uh... Do you think he's a trade deadline candidate? I mean, who the hell is going to trade anything for him? But like, like a fourth rounder. I think there. I think that the Chargers would like to move him, and I don't think he wants to be there. So those two things mean that there's probably conversations being had. Yeah, I mean, like Eckler was so good without him. They have to be thinking like, man. You know, I mean, he was like, wasn't he like number one in yards from scrimmage? But if Justin Jackson isn't healthy, I think that that like affects what they're going to do. That sucks that Justin Jackson would be that. 
pivotal. But you for, need, but you need some. You need some insurance inside presence be- behind yeah. Austin Eckler. No, you're right. Uh, Mike Williams has drawn double digit targets in back to back games. It hasn't been particularly fruitful, but he is. I mean, I said this on FFL. Like that is a guy who can like high point a ball, and he has this giant catch radius. He's had over seventy yards in back to back games, so like I'll take it. It's not the worst thing in the world. Hunter Henry is the one who we like the most in this match. Yeah, we just talked about all those tight ends. Like, Hunter Henry comes in riding on his white horse like he's the prince (laughs) that was promised, you know? Like, freaking Gandalf in Lord of the Rings Part 2 when he just appears on the top of the hill. We just went into super dork mode there. But point being, Hunter Henry coming back to save the whole damn position. He's the best play of the week. Um, We've already talked about how Tennessee's vulnerable. Anything else you want to talk about from a Chargers perspective? Chargers... It's worth noting that Russell Okung did finally come back to practice this week from his embulsion. What is it? Embulsion. Embulsion. Yeah. He came back to practice, which is huge news because, like, their offensive line has been a train wreck. And he will – I mean, they've lost other players since his his loss. So, like, woof. It's an embolism. Embolism? Embulsion. Cool. I em- thought he was, like, embalmed. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Look, what's embolism. going on? It- yeah. Ru- Russell Okung was uh, embalmed. Embulsion? Embolism. I was trying to pulmonary think. embolism. Pulmonary embolism. That's that sounds... what you were trying to say. I was just like, "Yep, it sounds like embolsion." I'm here I was for looking you, bro. for your. I was looking at your face for like reassurance, <laughs> and you reassured me about my wrong thing. <laughs> Sorry. What the hell? <laughs> um, I was looking at your face for reassurance. By the way, <laughs> best thing Matt's ever said to me. I was looking at your face for reassurance. Your face for reassurance. Like, give me and something. You led here. me astray. Jacksonville at Cincinnati. We like our I mean, this is the Leonard Fournette. Like I had I had someone, Becca, shout out to Becca, reach out to me on Instagram being like, I don't understand how the Cincinnati Bengals aren't ranked better in terms of fantasy production against wide receivers when they're so bad. And I was like, honey, that's because nobody passes against them. All they do is get run on. So this is a massive Leonard Fournette game. Yep. But I know I think there could be some like Minshew wasn't healthy. He had a a groin thing, I believe, last week. Mm -hmm. Overuse. Sure. Happens to the best of us. And then this week, I always have a hip issue, frankly. But then this week, um, be tough. He's, I think he's going to want to get that mojo back and he can do it against. You talked about how thin the secondary in Cincinnati is because of injuries. Like this is a totally gettable matchup. Oh, for sure. And, Leonard, and you're definitely starting that tight end. I mentioned Oliver. Yep. If you can remember his name by Sunday, be better. Put him in your lineup, Josh Oliver. I'm going to bring a bottle of Paso Robles finest gsm blend so that we can sip it as josh oliver goes over the middle for a touchdown you had you had me a bottle (laughs) all right giants at arizona the battle of the rookies daniel jones is a very hot (laughs) dfs by did you write this on the outline or did brett i did not write that of course i wrote it dime's gonna drop a quarter on the horrible az defense that made me kind of chuckle Almost as good as my cupcake line. No, not no, no, no. 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 The cupcake right. cupcake peak. line was straight. I peaked, money. everybody. This was like a pit, like a pity chuckle. Like, oh, jeez. That one, that also, one. you looked at my face and asked me if I wrote that. You said you were. I right. you your were picky, your pity chuckle. No, you were you were uh, over here, you know, showboating about how you wrote stuff on the lineup earlier. I, I was I mean, showboating. I was doing uh, my uh, job. What is that and called? It's called a rundown, rundown or an outline. Outline. Lineup. What about Giants <laughs> at Arizona? Which quarterback do you like more? You just talked about like, wow, these receiving weapons you're really buying into in New York. I mean, there are no questions. So you must love Daniel I, Jones here. I like Daniel Jones, but I think I like Kyler Murray more. Is it because of his rushing floor? I mean, they both. <laughs> <laughs> you're cracking me up today, Liz. You're making me laugh. Uh, I think I like both of them because of their rushing floors, right? Like we have that, we have that Don't capability. Write me. Yeah, but Kyler Murray's a much more he has a better explosive has, rusher, and the matchup for him is better than. than hey, he has for, a better rushing ceiling. Excuse me, but he has a better. Uh, but they, they both, both have, have good rushing floors. Rushing floors. <clears throat> How would you rank them? Uh, I don't know. I don't have to rank. Oh, cool. <laughs> I would rank Kyler Murray ahead of Daniel Jones. <laughs> I hate you. I hate him. Like, legitimately hate him. No, Um, you don't. Yeah. No, I don't think you do. Uh, Daniel Jones is the Yahoo Consensus 15 on the week, whereas um, your boy with the amazing floor 
Kyler Murray is the Yahoo consensus six. So that's quite a bit. It's a chasm, if you will, between these two players. And I know Daniel Jones is cheaper in DFS. So, like, that's why I have him as my daily fantasy quarterback right now. Well, let's roll into that. Let's talk it. Well, first, can I just make the note on this, which is this is so beautiful for these two teams because both of them, like, run through all their slot receivers. The Cardinals are second in yards allowed to the slot, 949, eight touchdowns. And the Giants are sixth in yards allowed to the slot, 855, five touchdowns. So if Christian Kirk comes back this week, I think you play him. And Larry Fitzgerald is, like, probably the best low-end wide receiver to floor that you can put out there. Yeah, and, and David Johnson has been crushing. You know, you know, Arizona is number one in rushing offense DVOA. No, that's yeah. I mean, which I think some of that has to do with the quarterback, obviously. But like, David Johnson's yards per carry is low, but like he's been converting first downs. He's been great as a receiver, and then Chase Edmonds has been a nice little revelation too. So it's almost like you can used to have a bad back, and it can get better. You know, I, shout out to all the people who <laughs> tweeted that to me, like. You ain't nobody used to have a bad back. Apparently, Jalen Ramsey never had a bad back. I and like for God's sakes, the people who well actually me about that unshout out to you rats because like for the people that are like well actually I used to have a slip disc and like now I'm doing quite alright. It's like Jesus man, it's a joke. They got the Reiki and maybe they did some herbs. I doubt it. Not these people. They're clearly way too high strung to be all up in that. I am incredibly high strung and I've never had a bad back. And I guess I never will because you never used to. Ain't nobody (laughs) used to have a bad back. (laughs) I don't know why I can't get it. Um, Probably the ain't, you know, double negative. um, You want to talk about Minnesota at Detroit? That's the game that you're watching for the week. Well, the only reason I picked this one was because I looked at the rest of the outline shocker. And I noticed that this game just wasn't really highly represented among all the other thoughts. So I felt bad for it. No, what (laughs) what really I think, like, number one. Detroit's defense on Monday Night Football, obviously there were some tough breaks. We'll call it that for the Detroit defense. But one thing that definitely was their fault was Jamal Williams really gashed them, right? Like Aaron Jones also 11 for 47 on the ground too. Aaron Jones could have gashed them. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even even with all that, he still had 11 carries for 47 yards and uh, was targeted seven times. So I think this is a great spot for Detroit. Dalvin Cook, obviously, who everyone knows is great, but his backup, Alexander Madison, again, bears watching. Dalvin Cook saw a season low, season low, 18 touches last week. Like, oh, no, 18 touches. Um, I wonder if they continue to mix in Madison a little bit because they did, to be fair, call him their Latavius Murray coming into the year. And that role hasn't quite developed yet, but that's something to watch here as well. Also, obviously, bears watching these two wide receivers. Like, now that their feelings are less hurt, are they going to continue to still be big parts of the offense? A lot of pass rush. You know, Trey Flowers, I think, will be hashtag motivated to uh, rip through this bad offensive line mm-hmm. and have a big game after he was jobbed last week. You never know. I did put on the outline, to I wanted to talk about the, the Dallas, the Philly at Dallas game. But I think we already kind of talked about the receiving core in Philadelphia and Michael Gallup is an obvious play. There's a lot being made about whether or not Dak is good without Amari Cooper. The stats would bear out that he struggles without Amari Cooper. But Gallup has been so money, and this secondary is so bad that you're starting Michael Gallup anywhere. I don't want to talk about it. If Devin Smith plays, uh, he's actually a good flyer, too, against this outside cornerback group. Like Teams have been exploiting the correct matchup here, which is like they're— Eagles, I think, are number one in yards allowed to the outside position, but they're real down there towards the bottom um, in terms of yards allowed to the slot. Uh, in fact, they are sixth from last. So, I mean, that's been like no one's been targeting the middle of the field. They've been going on the outside. So guys like Randall Cobb, maybe even Jason Witten. He's not even healthy, him. though. Yeah. So, like, all these guys, I think if they – if all and What does that do to Zeke Elliott's um, – I mean, the, the benefit of – obviously, the, the Eagles have an incredible run defense – Elliot is an incredible talent, but part of what makes him so awesome is his work in the passing game. You've seen him used in the slot. Like, that's a thing. So does this lower his floor even more than people are anticipating? Yeah, you know, Tyron Smith and Leo Collins are on the come up in terms of coming back to practice. So that's nice. I I think I'm, I mean, Zeke is going to, spoiler alert, on FFL, Zeke is going to be my like, you know, what the hell is that segment called again? Off their game. game. Zeke, I think, is going to be off his game to the point that, again, you're not benching Zeke Elliott, but like. You're reaching for that upside in your flex. Yeah. For reference, Zeke is the RB5 on the week. Do you uh, Just ahead of David Johnson, 
no, and I, behind yeah. Chris Carson, do you think that— I like both of those players more. Than Zeke. What about Derrick Henry? Yes. What about Le'Veon Bell? No. Okay. So there's there, there's your gauge. No, I think that's helpful for people. I mean, but keep going down the line. I bet you there's a lot of players I like better than Le'Veon Bell. Philip Lindsay. I think I love Philip Lindsay this week. Mark Ingram. No. Josh Jacobs. Yes. Yes. Like more. So that I, I like Josh Jacobs. I have him pretty aggressively ranked, unlike my colleagues here. Um, one more. Tevin Coleman. Interesting backfield in San Francisco. Maybe that's what we end on. Hmm? Or we have to end up in DFS. Interesting backfield in San Francisco, yeah. Uh, it was nice to see Coleman get some more work in the pass game, considering he got none last week. I think he had a target share of 10 or better, 10% or better last week, which is good. Brita still out there. has He's run more routes over the last two weeks. So, I mean, I think both of these guys are great plays against Washington. I think... Terry McLaurin is my fade in DFS. We could talk about that a little bit. But I think San Francisco is going to come in here and drop an absolute ass-kicking on uh, of course. Washington. Of course. Do you see Kyle Shanahan, what he said uh, at his little presser the other day? I didn't. Uh, they asked him, what was your favorite part about coaching in Washington? And he said, <laughs> oh, you know, getting to work with my dad. A lot of other, We know a lot of other good coaches were on that staff. That was probably my favorite part. And they were like, what was your least favorite part? And he said, ev- he said everything else. Um, ruining rg3 he goes well he goes everything else and then he paused and he's like well we did have some really good players that i like to like some players i like to work with but i think shanahan feels pretty bent for the way things went there like with his dad and all that stuff sure so i think he's gonna i think he's gonna come in and kick this team around i i love that i have no doubt that they can do it washington's awful but again, I want to talk about the backfield in San Francisco a little bit. Yeah, so I think I think if you're if you think that this team is gonna um... who, but there's a lot of questions as to like who you t- why aren't people ranking Burita as high? And the answer is Burita's not going to see more than fifty. He hasn't seen more than yeah. fifteen carries a game. He's been explosive. We see the thing on primetime television. He you know goes down what what was that like an eighty yard touchdown? touchdown. Um, and Tessator so... screaming the whole way. <laughs> So I am on Team Booger over Team Tessator. I they're both on my radar. Okay. I mean I don't I don't like either one of them. Booger got some cred to me for the I mean his finest work was how pissed he was about that officiating. That was mm-hmm. that was good work by Booger. Um, but he's a nightmare to listen to, and Tessator is the worst. Like anytime there's a play longer than ten yards, it's a ten. He's always screaming. Like, he, keep, he is yelling a lot. Keep keep your voice down. The bro. other reason Tevin Coleman is moment. a good play is because he's seeing much more of the red zone than Burita is. Yeah. Burita's doing the, the work after the catch. Yeah, or he's getting more after work. contact. So Tevin Coleman, the reason again, these are questions I get asked. So Tevin Coleman, more carries, especially in the red area of the field. Let's do DFS real quick. You talked about Terry McLaurin. You know what? We always start positive. Let's start negative. Hell yeah. You always talk about people down. Terry McLaurin. This is the matchup. He's uh, 20 bucks. Why don't you like him this week? Well, number one, obviously the matchup. Like, San Francisco's been great against the pass because they've been great up front. Uh, Nick Bosa, I think, is going to go ham in this game against this broken offensive line. You look at the secondary, right? Like, might see a lot of Richard Sherman who's playing really well. I mean, honestly, everyone is playing really well in this in this San Francisco secondary. And, and Terry McLaurin, it's also worth noting, has scored five touchdowns to just 23 catches. He's definitely in line for a little touchdown regression, right? Like the fact that he's been scoring so prolifically that certainly is going to come back to earth at some point. And this is a great spot for it to do just that. I mean, I think you could easily be looking at a line like what he saw in week three or week five, excuse me, when he caught three passes for 51 yards on seven targets, 43% catch rate against New England. I think that's what you're looking at this week. Also, Case Keenum, I know everyone's like, well, but Case Keenum is back under center and he and McLaurin have like really. Do you think Case Keenum with Nick, Nick Bosa, Nick, I can't even like Case Keenum was wearing like a walking boot. He's got a shoulder injury, a foot injury, that offensive line, the San Francisco D line. Case Keenum might as well just lay down with a baby blanket because he's going to spend the entire game on his back. He's not going to have an opportunity to connect with Terry McLaurin. You can look at it in that way, like. Look at what he did week, whatever the hell it was, week three against Chicago. 
threw three picks, got sacked four times, fumbled three times. The thing is, he also put up 332 yards and two touchdowns in garbage time. Like, that's still he a possibility. He was healthy then. But he was healthy. You're exactly right. He was healthy then. On the plus side of things, the bargain for you, Matt, is Marquise Goodwin at $13. In the same matchup, $13 Marquise Goodwin. I mean, look, Washington can't cover a soul. <laughs> 13 bucks that's a hell of a discount for a guy who's playing as many snaps as anyone in this receiver core. Uh, big I play like for Pettis it. more. Oh, well, yeah. He's I mean, he's more expensive. He's more expensive. He's in line for for more targets, most likely. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think both of these guys in, are in play. But I think if one of them is going to come back and, like, you know, give you a really good ROI. Yeah. Really outkick their cost. I think that's probably going to be Marcus Goodwin. And we know he's um, we know his usage, right? Like he's the deep threat. So I, I really like how that could set up here. Um, What's your other one? My other one is David Johnson, $23. I was stunned during my unboxing segment when I ended up unboxing David Johnson. And I had to ask the producer three times, are you sure this was the resume for David Johnson? Like, are you sure he's only $23 against the Giants? Give me a break. Well, people are worried about Chase Edmonds eating into his... Scored two touchdowns last week, anyways. I, I know, but He's, you're the one who started this whole never used to have a bad back. Ain't narrative. nobody used to have a bad it's, back. It's driving DFS pricing. Laz must be listening. La- to this. Laz is over there, like, oh my god, can this guy stop talking about backs? No, I don't know, man. I think like that's a hell of a good price for um for a back who's going to touch the ball a ton, who's on the number one rushing DVOA offense. I think that's it's, and it's against the Giants. Give me a break, the Giants. Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle went for over 100 total yards. I mean, Brady, they ran a damn sneak with him at the three-yard line, like the most, the biggest troll job of all time. But still, 100 total yards. Not bad. Last week. So my bargain, we'd already talked about Daniel Jones. So we don't need to talk about him again because he's so cheap. Um, I also, we've been on and off of Devonta Freeman. I think I continue to be a Devonta Freeman apologist. I've been riding. I've been, it's, no, it's been no off. I've just I'm been. I'm digging it. I've just been taking that L. Not the last two weeks, though. Not the 118 total yards last week, two touchdowns, uh, 70 total yards and a touchdown the week before that. He's finding his groove. It took a minute. That O-line is bad. But <laughs> the, the, the defense is so bad that he's getting a ton of usage and volume. 19 carries. I mean, seeing like over, he has over 20 touches last week. I like the matchup against the Rams, whose run defense I talked about earlier has just been awful. We saw what the 49ers did to them. I think for $17, Devonta Freeman is an awesome flex. It wouldn't surprise me to see him find the end zone again this week. Well, he's found the end zone three times in the last two weeks, and they've all been through the air. It's a very bold statement on my part. You know, yeah, but I, but, but no, I mean, it, w- it wouldn't be a surprise. And, and the great part about Devonta Freeman is he got 19 carries last week, which was nice because the game was actually kind of close because they were playing the damn uh, Cardinals. But even in games where we expect him to not have that great rushing success, like against Houston the week before, um, or even when they lost 24 to 10 to, t- in t- to Tennessee, he's still getting great receiving usage, which is great because you're going to be behind quite a bit. That is for sure. Oh, man, the Rams are real bad. The Rams have allowed seven touchdowns to the position, six on the ground, one via the air. You really hate to see it. <laughs> I really hope the Jags win this week, man. It's been rough. That is going to be it for us. We'll be back on Monday with a fresh look at week seven's games. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can follow us on Twitter at those and then also follow the show at Yahoo Fantasy. Brett Raider, thank you so much for all that you do. Gonna get that glass of wine ready for a Sunday night when what? Who, who's in there? Josh Oliver. Oliver. Josh Oliver. Let's get some wine. Get some cupcakes. Toast let's, to let's tight go. ends and wine country in the central coast of California. We out. <laughs>